Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message from this week's guest speaker. Well, we want to welcome you all on, obviously. And uh, I've got a question for you tonight. Last week, Dan Seaborn was here, brought us a great word. If you didn't see it yet, get it. It is awesome. And I guess the question I have for you, and I have a prize. I really do have a prize. I don't have a book table or a book that I've ever written and say, here, I'd like to promote this book, but I do have a prize tonight. It's a great CD. It's one of our favorites. But my question for you is, and the winner who's going to get this prize is the first person, Dan gave us five points. He called them tips or red flags in relationships. Who's going to be the first person to tell me any one of the five he gave us? Oh, my, What? Don't force your will into God's will. That was point number one. Who said that? Well, come on down. Give her a good hand. She listened. Hopefully you're going to listen. I promise you, Kurt's going to come. Pastor Kurt's going to come back next week and ask you questions of what we talked about, and he's going to have prizes for you. All right? So pay attention to that. We, we uh, are really, really honored to be here this evening to be able to share with you. It's our anniversary today. And uh, anniversaries are always exciting. We have been married for a total of 30 years, two weeks, and three days. And um, you're looking and say, wait a minute, how does that compute? Let me tell you something. The secret to a successful marriage, treat every day like an anniversary. It's a lot of fun, and it's good. And we're going to go real, real quick tonight. But we do want to talk to you about this uh, meeting, dating, and relating. Um, We did a series some years ago. We called it Dating, Mating, and Relating. And um, But we're not going to go quite that direction yet. But if you come out on the third Tuesdays for our Married Under 40 group, you can get into that. And speaking of that, how many people are married here this evening? Raise your hands up. Okay, good. How many of you want to be married? Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you notice all the married people put their hands down? (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) All right. How many of you are married here? Okay. How many of you want to be married? All right. Good. They kept their hands up this time. Well, good. Marriage is a fun thing, and it is a great thing. And if uh, we're not going to talk really about marriage this evening, um, but we are going to talk about getting you to that place. But the secret to marriage is you never stop. Marriage is a process. It's not something that... You date for a little while, you know, your eyes meet from across the room and all oh, your heart pitter patters. We're going to talk about that. And then you get married and you're done. No, you keep learning. You keep growing. People ask us often, man, y'all been doing it for 30 years. What's your secret? And we say, we never stop learning. We read books. We go to seminars. We, we go to conferences. We talk to, to other people who have successful marriages. And so as that relates to this whole dating uh, series, I want to start out talking a little bit uh, of school. And what I mean by school, how many of you back to school right now, maybe going back to college, university, or something like that? Yeah, it's that time of the year. Well, tonight we're going to go into science class. And science spent years, years and years and years, studying dating in relationships to make some discoveries just to see how this whole process works. And they came down to this conclusion that there are three stages of love that is involved in dating. And that first stage, and this is big, you might want to write this down, is desire. Everybody say desire. desire. Yeah. Scientists found out that people desire somebody. Isn't that a novel idea? But they desire somebody. 
And they found out the reason why they desire somebody is it's driven by two hormones that we have, two sex hormones, one called estrogen and one called testosterone. And here's the other amazing mystery. It's in both men and women. So everybody say hoorah for science. Yeah. The second thing science discovered, oh, I love science, my favorite subject, was the attraction phase. The attraction phase is that amazing time when you are so love struck, when you are just so googly eyed or whatever you want to call it, to where all you can think about is that other person. You ladies will start writing your name using their last name. Oh, you've done that before. Yeah, you've been there. But it's that time where it's like all we can think about is the future. All we can think about is what it's going to be like. Well, science can attribute that to three different neurotransmitters, a big word that's going on in this stage. One of them is the neurotransmitter called adrenaline. And this is the stage that when you start falling for somebody, I mean, you you get all nervous around them. Your palms get all sweaty. (laughs) If you're like me, your armpits get all sweaty. And uh, you are just like a nervous wreck around them. And the reason this happens is because your blood levels start to rise. And you're releasing a lot of cortisol and different things. And this is when you're walking along or you're in school and you unexpectedly bump into them. You get all tongue-tied and twisted. And you don't know what to say or how to say. And if you're a guy, you usually act really corny. You try to be funny. You do something really stupid. And, um, but it's because of the adrenaline. The other neurotransmitter is one they call dopamine. Dopamine, yeah, that's the chemical that stimulates the desire and reward that, you know, there's something in it for me. And when the dopamine is released, you get just an immense amount of energy. And you say, well, do we start acting hyper? No. But how many of you have stayed up half the night talking, texting, gliding, Facebooking, whatever it is to somebody you liked? All right, nobody raise your hand. You're all liars. Man, when Marina and I were first dating, I mean, we were together a lot. I couldn't stand to be away from her. And uh, when we weren't together, we were on the phone. Of course, that was so long ago. We didn't have cell phones and all the new gadgets y'all got, so we we're on the landlines. And uh, I got this special pillow, you know, those. it was this pillow. My phone could fit right there, and I could just lay on it, and it was awesome. I'm like, this is really cool. What are you thinking about, baby? I'm thinking about you. Yeah, me too. Five minutes later, hey, baby, what are you thinking about now? I'm thinking about you still. Oh, good. <laughs> Where are you right now? Oh, I'm, I'm in my apartment. What are you doing? I'm thinking about you. But we'd spend all night. What did we do? We just thought about each other. We didn't say anything meaningful. or It was like, I'm just thinking about you. 7.30 in the morning. Hey, you still thinking about me? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I just used the bathroom. No. Um, sorry. The other neurotransmitter is the serotonin. This is a biggie. Uh, serotonin is that chemical that as you're falling in love constantly keeps your thoughts on the other person. They're the reason you can't get them out of your mind. Serotonin. You just think about them nonstop, 24-7. People come up to me, hey, Eric, how you doing? Maureen, I'm, I mean, I'm fine, thank you. No. Now when people come up and ask me how I am, I always respond, I'm the luckiest man alive. And uh, I truly am because this beautiful woman stuck by my side for over 30 years. 
But when we think about, you know, this whole desire and attraction stage, um, there's certain things and qualities we look for in a mate. Solomon had some of those, and particularly when it came to the attraction, I want to show you what attracted Solomon. And in chapter 4, he says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead, and your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Coming up from the washing, each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. And your lips, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate, kind of fruity. And your neck <laughs> is like the Tower of David built with the courses of stone, and on it hangs a thousand shields and all of them shields of warriors. <laughs> this is the good part. And your breasts are like two fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. You all together are beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. So, guys, the first thing I want to teach you tonight or share with you tonight, and when I mean guys, I mean males. From now on, I want you to look at all women like they have goatee hair, sheepy teeth, and, um, you know, a towering neck. No. Sorry about that. Yeah, but one of those things those hormones will do, the serotonin in that, it'll cause you to not, to over-idolize your, your partner, the person that you're dating, and you will not see the flaws in there. You, your brain kind of goes numb, and everything you do, they do, you just think is so wonderful and so natural. I remember reading, when we read this, um, you're all together beautiful, my darling, there's no flaw in you, and I'm like, okay. We know what phase he was when he wrote this. <laughs> because after marriage, that's when people say, you know, I never noticed this when we were dating. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these flaws. Well, that's because the serotonin drops. And it, this really does happen. This is what science proves is that that serotonin goes down. And now all of a sudden, it's like your eyes are open. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so then the third and final stage... No, like all the things they do when you're dating, all the cute little things they do that make you laugh and go, oh, I just love that. I love that. He's so funny and so outgoing. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's embarrassing me again. I can't. So it's that kind of thing. The thing that she, knocks she, you well, over she, later will be the thing that annoys you. So. She's just saying that because I was poor growing up. <laughs> you know, I was so poor, we'd go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. <laughs> That's not in our notes. Let me get to this third stage. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. The third and final thing that science has discovered is that attachment stage, and that's the bonding phase. And that's the, the, the stage that keeps couples together, that takes, in, takes us into uh, marriage and, and wedded bliss. And there are two major hormones involved with that, and one of those is oxytocin. Everybody say oxytocin. Oxytocin. And if you want to learn about oxytocin, talk to Nick Mayo and his wife, Emily. They will get you all clued in on what oxytocin is and where it comes from. And if you want to learn more about that, again, come to the Married Under 40 group. All right. So we just heard about how desire is one of the phases of love. And now we're going to look at what the Bible says about desire. And God has a plan. He has a plan 
for relationships. And his plan actually lines up with science says. So it's not like they thought of it first. God actually, he created us the way he created us. And it's a good thing. In Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So when God created man, he didn't intend for man to stay alone. And he knew that that wasn't going to be a good thing. And he said, I'm going to make her a suitable helper. So all you ladies say, I'm a suitable helper. And all you men say, it's not good for me to be alone. So God predestined. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's not good for me to be alone. God, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, it's not. God predestined all of you men to have a woman. And you women, he created you to be a wife. So Genesis 19, or I'm sorry, we're going to look at chapter 2 first, 19 and 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So God gives Adam this first assignment to go out and to name all the animals. And there's a whole bunch of them. So this takes him a really long time. So he's watching all the animals. He looks and he sees a horse. And he says, okay, that one. He's going to be the stallion. And we'll call her the mare. And then he says, that's a lion. And she looks like a lioness. And then he sees the pig, and he's like, we'll call him the boar, and she's going to be the sow. The cattle, the bull, and the cow. And then he says, that's a rooster, and that's a hen. And then he doesn't see anyone for him. So man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. That means that Adam was looking. He didn't find anybody like him. So he's watching all these animals, naming all these animals. He's surrounded by animals. No other people. He's the only man on the earth at this time. And he's like, they have a mate, and they have a mate, and they have a mate. Where's my mate, God? There's no one like me. He's like, I see what they're doing. I see them mating. <laughs> um, come on, God. I got one of those. But I don't have one like, like me. There's no one out there that matches me. Wow. He's like, I won't. I want one of those. Turn her mic off. So here's what God did. Great God that we serve. He put this desire in us. And Adam had that desire for a mate. First thing, he's saying, there's no one like me. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, I don't picture God just making this awesome creation and just saying, here she is. He didn't do it like that. I know because I'm a mother, and Eric's a father. And when we give a good gift to our children... It's, we make a big deal about it. Rachel was just home last week from Texas, and her birthday is in two weeks. So we wanted to give her her birthday present. So Eric was so excited to give her a present. He's like, come sit down in the living room. We're going to give you your present now. Now close your eyes. And she's got her eyes closed. And he's like, okay, open them. And he's got the gift bag, and he puts it in front of her. And then he pulls it back. Guess what it is? You're going to love it. And anyway, just played this little game. But it was this big deal. And then he's like, okay, open it. He wants to see the look on her face. Well, I can imagine that when God made Eve, 
He was so excited to present her to Eve, and he wanted to see the look in the face. I don't know if he had her hide behind a bush and say, now count to three, because here she comes. But there was this big reveal, you know, like you see on TV Move when the lady. That bus. <laughs> there was a big reveal. <laughs> Ta-da. So God, God brought her out, showed her off, and he said, look what I got. Surprise. But he presented her. He created her, and he gave her to Adam as a gift from him. Ladies, you are a gift yes, to your future husband. Husband, there, man, there's a woman out there who's a gift to you, and she's a gift from God. He created her with you in mind. Um, so you're destined to have a wife, guys. She will be a suitable helper for you. She's made for you, and she is going to be your good thing. I always tell Eric, I am your good thing. Yes, she is. <laughs> the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, and he obtains favor from the Lord. And I'm God's favorite. He's God's favorite, right. And I'm your good thing, so don't Amen. you forget it. <laughs> but together, um, man and woman coming together, they make up the complete image of God. It's not just that man was made in his image. In Genesis 1.27, it says, so God created mankind, not man, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you think about that. God created man and woman in his image. So Eric is made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. And when God brings the two together, this is his image. God isn't uh, just the characteristics of a man. He's got the characteristics of a female. He weeps. He mourns. He has emotion. He, he makes up the two of us together and... What's interesting is that science now confirms the differences in our brains. Men's brains and women's brains are so completely different. Men tend to zero in on one thing. Be nice. Women, there's like eight different places where their brains are crisscrossing. We're great at multitasking. But I believe that every organization, every church, every board, every uh, family needs a man and a woman because you're going to get a balance. You're going to get the both perspectives, the stronger perspective when you have both. So, um, you want to believe God for that right mate, and you want to stay together with that person. So make wise choices because you're going to be with them for life, and you are together. You bring strength into ministries, churches, organizations, your family, your neighborhood, your workplace. So if you think about it, men, you are to be finders. So all the men say, I'm a finder. And all the women, I want to hear you say you're a good thing. Now turn to that person to your left or the right, and if it's a female, tell them you're a good thing. Yeah. Now did any, any guy ask a girl and she said yes, then we'll have a betrothal engagement service. <laughs> I'm your good thing. Yeah, no. But you know what? In understanding that, and here's one of the main, main points I want to drive home. Um, ladies, you are somebody's good thing. And guys, every time you look at a young lady, at an old lady, whatever kind of lady you look at, you need to understand, she's somebody's good thing. And she may not be your good thing, but if she were, how would you want her treated? I love my wife with every ounce of my being. I love my daughter more. And uh, I have a phrase when it comes, <laughs> let, let, me, let me explain what I mean. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I didn't mean it to say it quite like that. Y'all caught it. 
I wanted to finish to say, and I love my daughter more than you, than I think any man ever could, but it stopped. But I say this. <laughs> you know what? This is what I, what I say. When it comes to my daughter, I think it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. You mess with her, <laughs> I'll hurt you. That's all I'm saying about that. But the important thing is in understanding that you young ladies are somebody's good thing, and you are destined to be a wife. God just didn't create you just to be a, a whatever. He created you with specifically in mind to be a wife to a man, to be a helper. And, guys, he never, ever wanted you to be alone. He has a wife that he's created for you. So here we are today talking about meeting, dating, and relating. What do we need to do? Do we just put an add-on on Craigslist? Wife needed. Inquire within. Don't laugh. It's funny. I remember one time I was in a foreign country, and you see all these white flags. And I'm like, yo, what are all those white flags? Oh, it means the, the father of the home has a daughter for sale. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, okay. But you've got to have a plan because remember in that attraction stage, your brain is going crazy, your hormones are going crazy, your everything is going crazy, and you are an absolute haywire mess. So you need to have a plan. And remember how science is able to prove all of this stuff? They think they made these discoveries. God had the perfect plan in place. And in Timothy, he tells us in 1 Timothy 5 and 2, he says, men, treat younger men as brothers. Pay attention. Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. It doesn't mean treat the younger women as maybe that might be my potential good thing, so we're going to practice no, it's not what it says. It talks about absolute purity. You're either older or you're younger. And if you think I'm, Marine and I are going to stand up here and give you rules of what you can't do to stay safe, like if you kiss, you got to kiss only with your eyes open. <laughs> That's really awkward. <laughs> you always got to keep one foot on the floor, you know. Always leave enough space between you where the word of God can fit. We're not going to do that. You know what? If we were in seventh grade, we might do that, but we probably wouldn't do that in seventh grade either. But you know what? Let's focus on what we can do. Let's focus on what God says, not on what Hollywood says. And by Hollywood, I mean, you've all seen movies. I've seen movies, and I've turned a lot of movies off because I look, and it, and it blows my mind. You know, they're in the club, and they're talking, hey, beautiful, how are you? Good, and... Next thing you know, they're in the back of the cab, and she's ripping his shirt off him. And I'm like, honey, you've never ripped my shirt off. Come on, try. <laughs> What's that like? I've never woken up in the morning and found this trail of, you know, laundry up the stairs. And I'm just like, wow. Click. That ain't it. That's not love. That's just flat-out lust. And see, and that's what the enemy would try to do. The enemy would try to say, well, come on now, Eric. It's 2015. Get a clue. Well, let's see. The Bible says it's the inspired word of God, and it changes not. I've got a clue. Get a grip. You know, we want to compromise things, and we want to change things to fit what we think is the culture. Well, what culture do you want to be a part of? I do a lot of premarital counseling and, uh, unfortunately, some marriage counseling. But when a couple comes to me and says, hey, Pastor Eric, would you marry me? I'm sorry, I've already got my good thing. But I know what they mean. And I'll say, sure, let's get together and talk. And so they'll come in my office, and, and we just sit down, and 
I don't say anything to them. And it's really awkward. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, okay. And then I wait. And they're like, well, what do we do? I don't know. What do you want? Well, we want to get married. Oh, well, do you want a wedding or a marriage? And you know what they all do? They look at me like, okay, is there somebody else here? I'm like, no, what do you want? You want a wedding or a marriage? And they're like, well, don't the two go together? No, not at all. You want a wedding, come to my office, get a license and two people, and we can go through, uh, you know, about 15 words, and you're married. But that's not a marriage. And then I always ask the guy, and I always pick, so I know I'm probably never going to get to do any of these ceremonies with these people, because the guy will come in, and, and we'll be sitting there, and I'll say, so why do you want to marry her? Oh, well, I just love her. <laughs> You idiot. I do. I say that stuff to him. I'm like, really? You love her? Well, she completes me. Oh, so you're half a man? (laughs) Lady, find somebody else. This guy's whacked. But we talk about these things. Oh, but you just don't know how she makes me feel. Well, I know how you're making me feel, and I wouldn't marry you. But see, this whole dating thing and building up, yeah, you're all freaking out now. When you're going to talk to him. But see, Hollywood would have you to believe, and the world would have you to believe, and unfortunately, some of your friends would have you to believe that, hey, if it feels good, do it, and it's okay because we live in a different day and age. And it's not like when our mamas and daddies were older, you know, they were covered from the wrists to the ankles, and if you saw somebody in their, their undergarments or you swam together in the same swimming pool, you were destined to hell. Um. Folks, God's word doesn't change. Have you ever heard the old cliche, bad company corrupts good character? Hollywood, movies, internet, bad company. Cosmopolitan magazine, in the store the other day, 39 positions to bring your man full excitement. I'm thinking, 39? Oh, my gosh. I know three. No. <laughs> you know what? It's all, it's all a, a farce. Society wants to take you and wants to make you into something you aren't. You are God's good thing. You are God's man. And he's designed to bring you together for his enjoyment, for his purpose. Amen. Cannot believe you just said that. (laughs) Me? I got one of those. That wasn't in the notes. Remember I told you, he still is embarrassing me. <laughs> okay, let's, let's look at um, Psalm 119. So during that attraction phase, remember, we're reminding you that you're, you kind of check your brain at the door, and you're not always thinking clearly. So you, and, and not only that, but your hormones. God gave you hormones. Thank you, Men, Jesus. Men, he gave you hormones. Women, he gave you hormones. How do you keep this all under control when your your heart's racing, your palms are sweating, you can't wait to be with that person, and you got to wait. Well, Psalm 119 has a question that David said, how can a young man keep his way pure? And he gives us the answer. <laughs> the same way the old, an old person can keep their way pure, or the same way a young woman can keep her way pure, or an old man or an old woman. And the, the rest of that verse says, by living according to your word. I can't stress this enough how important it is to be in God's word every every single day. day. We live in such a corrupt, polluted, dirty 
world, gross darkness is covering this land, in case you haven't noticed. And gross darkness is upon the people. It says darkness is covering the land. Gross darkness, the people. And our society is just so corrupt. I mean, 20 years ago, I think it was hard to get pornography. Now it's in front of your face everywhere you look. You don't even have to look for it. I mean, it's walking down the street. It's on commercials. It's on greeting cards at the Hallmark store. Um, it, it possibly could be sitting in church. It's all over the place. And we need to fill ourselves with God's word to wash ourselves. The word is a refiner. It's a soap. It's a cleanser. God's word is like a fire. It can get in and burn off all the impurities. The Bible says his word is like a hammer that smashes the rock in pieces. So when the devil's throwing those fiery darts at you and you have got the tools, you can grab hold of those false arguments, those lies, those pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and pull down those strongholds by using your weapon, the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When you start to walk down the wrong road, that word will come up and it will nip your heart and say, don't go that way. That's the wrong path for you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you're full of God's word, that word will speak back to you. It's sad when I hear Christians say, I don't hear God's voice. I never hear God talk to me. Well, get in the word and he will talk to you. When you cannot make a withdrawal from a bank until you make a deposit. Think of your heart that way. When you make deposits every day, you meditate on his word day and night. You'll be careful to observe all that's written in there according to Joshua 1.8. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you're going to have good success. Good success in your relationships, good success in your marriage, good success in your career, your, your college studies. When you're filling your heart with God's word, you're going to be successful, and you are going to have the strength to say no to worldliness and ungodly pleasures. You'll have the strength to say no to impurity, to fornication, to the lust of the flesh, because God's word strengthens you. It is a strengthener. It's alive. It's breathing. It's living. Jesus is alive, and he is the word, and the word is life. So when we put that word in us, we're putting Jesus in us, and that power gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And pretty soon, we can, we can just uh, attack hell with our prayers and our words, and uh, we have got something in us to fight. So put those deposits in. Um, Psalm 119.11, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. You sit around and you watch trash on TV. You listen to trash. You hang out with bad company. Bad company corrupts good character. Hollywood is not your friend. That is a lot of what's on. I'm not saying you can't go see a movie. We go see movies. But be wise. Listen, you know, you're trying to pick a movie. You don't know what's always on there. If it, something bad comes up, shut it off. But ask the Holy Spirit, is this okay to see? Pray about what you do because your heart, the Bible says, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And out of it, all everything else, the issues flow from your heart. So you need to be careful what you're putting in. You need to guard and protect your heart and not just, and, and you know what? There's two 
openings to your heart that you need to protect. It's your eyes, what you look at, and your ears. Those two things you need to be careful and pay attention to what you're looking at and pay attention to what you're listening to. Those are the openings to your heart. Guard and protect it. It sounds like like we've been talking a lot of dressing the men the last few minutes. Um, But ladies, let me tell you something. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with the good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Let me tell you something. If you don't already know it, which you probably all know this, as a man, we are very, very, very visual people. I'll just be the first one to tell you, we look. And I'll also be the first to tell you that, ladies, we need your help. This might sound a little better coming from Marine, um, but I want to tell you, um, don't be doing that. You know what? Sometimes it's hard to walk places. I walk a lot like this with my head down. Especially when we're going past Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Those giant posters. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, it's real disheartening to a man. Um, Boy, I don't know how honest to be with you all. Can I be real, real honest with you? All right, let me tell you a secret, ladies. It's not a turn on. We might look, but it's it's a turn off. Marine's got this poster, and... uh, It says something to the effect that to the woman who dressed immodestly is like rolling in manure. You'll get a lot of attention, but it's going to be from the pigs. And um, what I want to tell you is, you know what, what a real man's looking for? And when I say real man, I mean a real man. He's looking for inner beauty. He's looking for that good thing, not that trophy. Hollywood has the trophies. Don't ever cut yourself short and think you've got to become like somebody or look like somebody or act like somebody or do something because they've got all the girlfriends. You guys got no respect for them. I'm just being honest with you. No, and your inner beauty is going to attract a man that's more interested in your heart than your body. You, you heard um, Dan Seaborn say that last week. That's why you want to focus on the inside. So in, in that verse he just said, it talked about um, adorning yourself. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, that's dressing yourself, not with elaborate hairstyles, fine gold, pearls, or expensive clothes. Because it's, it's not about what you wear or what you put on, but it's with good deeds. Adorn yourself with good deeds, appropriate for women that profess to worship God. You think, well, what are those good deeds? Well, it says... Uh, Adorn yourself, it's in Colossians 3.12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and forgiveness. And it says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When When you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and he's your friend and you're a worshiper of God and you're putting God's word in your heart, that's how you adorn yourself with that inner beauty. And that's what's gonna attract the right man. Because what you are is what you're going to attract. Um, Lindsay 
and Kurt were over last summer with Pastor Joanna Jeannie. We were sitting out on the patio in the backyard, and Lindsay had on this super cute sundress, and she had this little thing under it. And she was talking about how her mom always said, cover your cracks, all of them, and that goes for the men and the women. I thought that was so funny. But simple thing to remember. So keep your cracks covered. <laughs> keep your cracks covered, all of them. <laughs> but this will help you to not cause a brother to stumble. The Bible talks about not putting a stumbling block before a brother or before a sister. And what you wear can be a stumbling block just because God designed men to be visual. But, you know, that's, that's for the marriage bed. That's not for just walking down the street. And, you know, styles have changed and all that. But be discreet. A woman without discretion is like a, a pig with a ring in their nose. What does that proverb say? A pig, yeah, a pig, yeah, a woman who lacks discretion is like a pig. At least we don't have goat hair. With fine gold, a fine gold in her ring. <laughs> so you don't want to cause a brother to stumble. But I have a marketing background, so I always look at how products are marketed. I think about marketing, and a lot of women out there are just trying to market themselves by the way they dress. Do we have any marketing majors in here tonight? Anyone at all? One? one. Can you Can you shout out the four P's of marketing real quick? Did you learn that yet? What are they? Product. Product. Place. Place. Price. Price. Promotion. Give her a hand. Kurt, give her a prize next week. That's exactly right. And listen, you're not a product. You're you're either a wife or you're a husband. But listen, ladies, in speaking of how you present yourself, uh, like I said, you're a wife, but you're also a child of the king. You're joint heirs with Jesus to the throne. You're royalty. That's how you need to put yourself out there. Don't be wearing the lowest shirt and the tightest pants and uh, the skimpiest thing you can get to get men gazing over your body. See, women, ungodly women, will use their body to attract a, a man. An ungodly man will use a woman to get her body. Okay? So be careful what and how you, uh, how you put yourself out there. Okay, because whether you realize it or not, you're marketing yourself in some way. Everybody forms a first impression, and it takes a couple seconds, and they can size you up real quick. So price, a virtuous woman is worth far above rubies. She's valuable. And I think when women dress trashy, they don't see their value. They don't see their worth in Christ. He paid a high price for you. He went to the cross. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, the Bible says, honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19, it says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. What does he want to be clothed with? He wants to be clothed with strength and dignity. Let's look at the place. The place. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. He will find you, or like God took Eve and brought her to Adam, God can cause you to be in the right place at the right time. And you can believe God for favor for that perfect mate. You know, Ruth in the Old Testament was a Moabite. She was a heathen. Her husband died, and she clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and said, I'm going to go your way. Your God will be my God. I'm going to follow after God. I'm going with you. And she wouldn't let her go. And she came into that new land, 
And as poor as she was, she had nothing. She had to go in the field and glean for her food and take the corners of what they left behind. And Boaz, a very rich and wealthy, powerful man, took notice on her. Well, to make a long story short, she ended up marrying her, him. Well, my point with this is, it doesn't matter what your past is. I don't care what you came out of, how ungodly or what kind of a heathen you were. When you say, I'm going to go God's way, I'm going to follow him, your past is gone. And he will uh, not hold that against you. If you had an ungodly past, doesn't mean that you have to settle for second best for your future husband. Boaz was a godly, wealthy man. In fact, God didn't care about her past either because the two of them are in the, the lineage of Jesus Christ. So you can trace that bloodline back, and Jesus came from Ruth and Boaz. And some Amen? Of you, and some of you know the, the Boazes that are out there. There's his brother's lazy ass and dumb ass, stupid ass. Yeah. Beat your what ass. Kind of bo- yeah, beat your ass. Yeah, don't settle. Be in the right place. Pastor Kurt, I think I freaked them all out. So the the other P is the packaging, the promotion, what the display looks like. Again, if you're going to look cheap, (laughs) you're going to look cheap or you're going to look dignified. That first impression is so important. And um, the virtuous woman, she is clothed with strength and dignity. Mm -hmm. And that dignity means worthy of respect or honor, worthy of respect or honor. So people that just, like, I want to say you dumb yourself down, uh, there's a bigger issue there, and it it probably is your self-esteem, your self-worth. But Jesus said, you know, you don't put confidence in the flesh. It's in him. You put your confidence in him, and he will bring you the right person. So, ladies, don't be desperate, you know, you can see the desperate people out there. They might as well be carrying a picket sign that says, look at me, look at me, look at me. But you're going about it all the wrong way. Um, I want to tell you this. My brother-in-law told me recently that he was sitting in church. He didn't live around here. He lives in Canton. But he wouldn't care if I shared this because he told me and my sister, who's his wife, sitting in church and there's a young, beautiful woman in front of him in a skimpy sundress. And he said, here I am in church and I'm having to fight these lustful thoughts all through the service. Because of what she was wearing and because she, was, she wasn't wearing on, what she have on under it? And he said his mind was just racing. He's like, God, help me. I'm trying to worship you. Make access a safe place. Let this be a place where young people can come. You have to fight that all day long out in the world. Let's make access a safe, safe place. Ladies, can you give me that? You'll, you'll cover up. You'll be discreet. Y'all look beautiful. And your church, not just here, but take it to your workplace. Take it wherever you go. Think about what you're doing because you don't want to be that stumbling block. Um, What you are is what you attract. If you want sleazy, then dress sleazy. (laughs) We're going to wrap this up here real quick over the next couple minutes. Um, So where do we go from here tonight? Threw a bunch of different things at you. But ultimately, it comes down to this. I believe in this room tonight, there's people that are earnestly seeking a mate. Um, People that are looking for that wife, looking for that good thing. There's there's young ladies here that want to be that good thing and, and want to be found, and, and that's good. And then there's probably people here, too, that maybe you've failed, failed in your past relationships. 
Let me tell you, Marina and I stand up here tonight, not that we were these perfect people that did everything right. I blew it, folks, on more than one occasion. I'm just being honest with you. But the good thing is, is I found a God who loved me and restored me, rescued me. I surrounded myself with good friends, not the world, not the people that would challenge me to say, man, go get all you can get. No, that's not, that's not people that would tell me to do it God's way. But I believe there's probably people here tonight that you might be sitting there saying, man, I'm, I'm not that person you talked about. I'm not that virtuous woman or I'm that stupid guy that goofed up. Um, we've been there, but there's good news and good hope for you. Then there might be people here that tonight are trapped in some bondages, maybe some habits, maybe some behaviors, maybe things that you've just struggled and struggled and struggled with and said, man, I just, I need some help. Don't quit asking for help. Just like marriage is a process we go through every day and uh, learn about. Keep striving every day. And then there's maybe people here that all I could get was you've got double vision. And what I mean by that is you so desperately want to be that person the Bible talks about, but yet you're so wrapped up in concern with how the world sees you and that you want to see yourself the way God sees you. When we were singing that song tonight about how I love you, how I love you, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, am I singing this to Father? Or is Father in all of heaven singing that right now to me? I had the same thought. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I worshiping him or is he just wooing me, telling me how he loves me and to be restored? And, and all he wants is me to stay with him until we are one. When I read that letter, saw that line, I thought, man, that's, that was God's heart cry for me. He wasn't up there saying, man, Eric, you blew it again. He was saying, man, Eric, all I want you to do is stay by me till we're one. Stay with me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you. Thank you for joining us for our special guest speaker this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC. And be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.